The True Crime Society podcast contains adult themes and violence and is not intended for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. If you'd like to skip the intro, please refer to the timestamp listed in the episode description. Thank you. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the True Crime Society podcast with Stephanie and Olivia. It is oh February 1st, 2024, <laughs> day before Groundhog Day. Woo! Oh, must be Groundhog Day here. It's not really a thing here, but it must be Groundhog Day. <laughs> do you have groundhogs? <laughs> no, no, we do not have groundhogs. <laughs> How are you going to know about winter coming or leaving, whatever? I don't know. I feel like we have other things, like I'm just making this up, like where they like get an octopus or something. <laughs> what? I don't know. I don't know. I just made that up. But I feel like we do have something similar, but not a groundhog. I don't know. I'll have to look into it and report back next time. Uh, something <laughs> at a swimming carnival or whatever. <laughs> um, yeah. So will he see his shadow tomorrow? I don't know. Does it ever make a difference? No. Just a <laughs> dumb, silly thing. <laughs> and there's there's multiple groundhogs that do this, so... Which one is right? I think yeah. the main one is Punk Punk Satani Phil. <laughs> <laughs> Punk, what a name! <laughs> yeah, I'm sure someone's gonna be like, "You said that wrong" or something. I don't know. I don't know the lore of Groundhog Day, so let's just move past this now that I brought it up. Uh, but that's the date. Weather: It's cold here. It's hot in Australia, as yeah. always. <laughs> Still under another heat advisory. Like it actually seemed kind of cool this morning, and I was getting dressed. And I said to my daughter, "What's the weather?" And she's like, "Mom, it's a heat advisory." I was like, oh, "Great again." Yeah, yeah. I am like I never ever thought I'd say this because I really do love summer, but I am a little bit ready now for it to be a little bit cooler. Remind me of this in a few months. Where I'm like, it's so cold. Yeah, <sighs> it's like the best times are in between. I guess technically the fall and spring, or like early summer early winter but when it's winter winter or like summer summer when it's very very hot or very very cold it's tough Mm. I always we debate in my family sometimes because my sister's husband is one of those people he does not get cold he will go out in shorts he played hockey forever so I don't know if that helps but (laughs) he doesn't get cold he'll have their thermostat like preferably on 58 probably he does the dishes with cold water never gets cold and he gets hot so fast. But we always debate because of that. Like, would you rather be cold or would you rather be hot? Mm, I don't know. My initial thought was cold because at least you can warm up. Whereas yeah. I feel like it's harder to cool down. But I don't know. I, like, I know lately here when it's been so hot at night, it's so hard to sleep. So That's the know. worst. Yeah. I know. I change my mind all the time because initially I would be... <laughs> I would say cold too because I'd be like, oh, it's nice to like wrap up with like blankies and you can't snuggly. But then when I was outside like two weeks ago, it was super, super cold here and it was so cold. It was like painful or there was a time where I was in um, Salem, Massachusetts with the wind chill. It was like negative 12 or something and it just hurts immediately. And when I'm in a situation like that, I'm like, okay, I'd rather be hot. (laughs) (laughs) But being really, really hot sucks too. You're sweaty. You feel like you're going to pass out. Yeah, and just so, like, there's nothing worse. I feel like hot is all right as long as it's not too humid. With the humidity, it's, like, soupy and just you always feel... Ugh, Wet, yeah. <laughs> damp. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's not fun. Um, I don't really have any major house or moving updates. You've been painting. 
We got the floors refinished, so that was exciting. I haven't really seen I haven't seen them in person done yet, but I saw pictures and it's crazy how much better the floors look cuz they they were pretty dirty for one, like we hadn't cleaned them. And the guy who came to look at the floors was there's some dark spots that we just like we knew it was some sort of water damage, but he th- thought it was actually like pee from the people's dog. So he wasn't sure if that would come out or if it would because it goes through all the way and damages the wood all the way through. When the pictures, the any of the spots, like I didn't see them anymore, and it seems like they all came out. So it looks like some brand new floors. So that's exciting. <clears throat> yeah, it looks amazing, the photos you sent. Yeah, I got off some years of filth. <laughs> so <laughs> Fresh start. Yeah, and there's so much paint on the walls because it was the wood paneling. So we had to use like a shellac primer. So I feel like it's almost like new walls because that sealed in any oldness yeah. <laughs> into the walls. Fresh and new. Yeah. So next, you got to renovate the kitchen and all that and be out by the end of the month, still work full time, still have a podcast, <laughs> still have to give Pete attention every second of the day. I'll be going insane for sure, but <laughs> the last stretch, hopefully, and then yeah. I can get back to a nice, boring routine life where I go grocery shopping and actually cook food because I've just been living on, I've actually been using Cook Unity a lot, one of our sponsors, really great. That's not me saying that isn't sponsored, but I do like them. <laughs> but it's been a big help because my apartment is such a mess right now. Obviously, I don't have a kitchen at the other house right now. So it's just like living off microwavable foods or things that you can heat up easily. So, I mean, I have lost some weight, <laughs> which well, is positive. <laughs> <laughs> One benefit. Anyways, we were talking last week about Olivia's car and we were joking we're like nobody cares but actually a lot of people seem to care <laughs> it's amazing actually how many messages we've had just from people who are like this same thing happened to me what kind of car was it blah 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 so <clears throat> update I think this is a third update I've given so that means this has now been going on for three weeks which is longer than I actually had the brand new car for <laughs> so <laughs> still ongoing I think the last update that I spoke about last week was I think maybe I told you guys that they had apparently identified the problem and they were just waiting for the head office to release the car. That was maybe Wednesday or Thursday last week. So then Monday this week, I got another call saying that they now have to order a part from Asia. It will be a minimum of six weeks and they're not sure if that is going to fix the problem. And by that point, I was angry. (laughs) I said, no, I've had enough. This is not acceptable. I had actually spoken with a lawyer who I know. She has said that that is classed as a major defect in Australia that is covered under consumer law. Um, So I said, look, I'm not not putting up with this anymore. We We have paid for this car that we haven't use we haven't had the car I said I will not be accepting the repaired vehicle especially based on the fact that you don't know if it's going to fix the issue which could have been a fatal issue um anyway so I wrote them a very legal email you've been so brave (laughs) um sent that to them and I think they got a shock like I think they just thought I was just going to accept the car and I'm like no I don't I'm not having the car back like you know fair enough it was like a radio defect or an air conditioning issue or something this is an issue with the accelerator of the car apparently um so I said no so that's been in the process I was saying to Stephanie so the lawyer said to give them 48 hours to respond to be fair they have responded within 48 hours but their response was we're working on it yeah Uh, essentially but I was saying to Stephanie they told me they were going to ring today so I put my phone on do not disturb because I knew that if they rang while we were recording and I'd see it pop up I'd be like real flustered so they did call while we were recording but essentially the update was that they have sent it to the head office and we will likely hear more next week um 
I don't know. Anyway, it's just like one of those things that now it's dragging on and on and on and I'm dreading dealing with them and dreading the interactions. Like the people that I've been dealing with are fine and polite, but I'm also like I shouldn't have to fight to have a safe vehicle. Um, I don't do they not like have a new car that's no, the same no. that they can just give no. you? No, and so the that's problem? the thing here too. So because it's a 2024 model and I, like anyone who is listening from Australia knows that we are the arse end of the world. Everything takes so long to get here. So when, when we actually picked up the car, it was the first of – and apparently there was some remake of the car between the 2020 and 2023 and 2024, so it's quite different. Um apparently when we picked up the car the dealership had never even seen one they were taking photos of it the guy's like do you mind if I have a look I'm like no that's fine um there's none they didn't even have a demo model of this car to drive I hadn't driven the car they just upgraded us to it because it took so long for the 2023 model to arrive that we got the 2024 it was the first one they've seen so there's none that they could just swap it like I'm assuming if we do get another one a replacement it will be like months I'm hoping not quite we waited six months for this one I'm hoping not quite as long because um, surely they should start rolling them out quicker, maybe. I don't know. But, um, yeah, it's not just a matter of me going to the dealership tomorrow to pick up a new one. I feel like it's going to be more of a process for that. I really liked the car as well. Like the car was beautiful and amazing <laughs> before this happened. So I just feel like surely it can't happen again because everyone's like, would you want to refund a replacement? And I was like, I don't know. I feel like I'll just go for the replacement surely and it won't happen again, maybe more for me. I don't know. But It's crazy anyway. that they just literally don't have another car that they could just swap them with yeah, that will take yeah. a shorter time than the four weeks for the part that might not even work yeah and like I was reading more about it last night because I was in preparation of this call and there's that like one thing I found I'll just read it quickly um it says sorry I'll just go back to it. it says if a vehicle cannot be repaired within a reasonable time or at all Australian consumers have the right under the Australian consumer law to a refund or a replacement so I was like I wonder what they're going to constitute as a reasonable time frame but when I spoke to the, my lawyer friend again she's like the car has been off the road for longer than you had the car that is absolutely not a reasonable time frame and if it's going to be another six weeks that will be almost three times as long as we had the car so she said there is no way they could argue that's a reasonable time frame for a repair. So anyway, we'll see. Yeah, it's funny how, because I noticed this with my mortgage process as well, how companies are always shocked when you actually stand up for yourself. <laughs> because like, I'm one of those people where I really don't want to. I've mentioned many times I have anxiety. So even just getting up the courage to stand up for yourself when you're like clearly <laughs> being taken advantage of, it's hard to do. So I understand why a lot of people kind of just go with the flow yeah but people really do get shocked when you defend yourself you're like wait like this isn't fair when he called me the other day which was in the 48 hour timeline for which I'd requested a reply so that was fine he called me back and he's like I just wanted to touch base and let you know that we'll be in touch when we have a more concrete timeline about the repair of your car and I said well has the timeline changed from the six to eight weeks and he said no it hasn't and I said and I still laugh a little bit. Well, I said, as per my email, I will not be <laughs> accepting that car back. This is why I listed all the like the legal, you know, de- statutory requirements that they have. And he, he got a shock. He's like, oh, oh, okay. Like He's I feel like, like damn, this just- bitch did her homework. <laughs> he was just calling to pluck at me and be like, yeah, we're dealing with it. It'll be fine. Well, I'll be in touch. And I'm like, no, that's not happening. Like I want this 
a resolution for this case. I'm happy to wait for a new car if that is what the outcome is, but I'm also not going to be waiting eight weeks to maybe get a repaired car. Like, uh, anyway. Yeah, like, so I'd I, rather I, wait for the new car than wait yeah. for the part for the car. <laughs> and I was so, like, after I got off the phone, I was shaking, but I was so proud of myself because I was very articulate and I'm I said everything. Like, you know, sometimes you're like, I wish I had said this, I wish I had said this. Mm-hmm. I somehow managed to get out everything I wanted to say to this guy. And he was very nice. Like, don't get me wrong, he wasn't mean or anything, but he did get a shock when I stood up for myself. And he's like, oh, okay, well, I'll put together all the necessary information for head office and, you know, blah, blah, blah. So anyway, I feel like that couldn't have gone any better (laughs) on my end. So anyway, we'll just wait and see what happens. But yeah, a long, stressful process. Well, good job. You're you're doing great. (laughs) I can't believe how many people have messaged me like this, like not, and to be fair, I haven't actually heard of anyone with the same car as mine. They're all different brands and models, but it seems to happen across the board. Um, so regularly and I can't believe it it's such a horrible thing to spend so much money on a car and then to have it be a lemon it's stressful and horrendous and I don't wish on anyone yeah definitely Mm. it sucks so stay tuned maybe I should just make a podcast about the car yeah (laughs) about cars hopefully surely I don't know I don't want to say surely by next week we'll have a resolution but maybe it's getting closer to it I meant to talk about this last episode. Someone messaged and it was asking about it. If you guys have listened to the podcast for a bit, you'll remember me sometime last year talking about how this girl who was like the popular girl I went to high school with got arrested because she was ha- she was like a teacher. Well, she was a lunch lady at a school and was having a relationship with like a 15-year-old boy. Um, and she's my age, so she'd be at least 32. And she got arrested and all that. And someone messaged asking if there was any updates. And for a long time, there wasn't. But a couple weeks ago, it came out that she was offered a plea deal for eight years if she pled guilty. And she turned it down. So now it's going to trial, which is crazy. Like, I can't believe she turned down the plea deal. Yeah, I know. Ballsy. There's literally videos, texts, pictures. I don't know if she's trying to argue that she didn't actually hook up with the kid because she did pick him up from a party and they were in the car so I guess no one really exactly knows what happened in the car so I don't know if that's what she's specifically going to try to fight but there's a lot of digital evidence against her it seems so I don't know what their plan is but I hope that I will be able to hear more about the trial Um, her husband well ex-husband threw a big divorced party like he put a big <laughs> sign outside of his house with balloons that said finally divorced Pretty funny. so good for him yeah <laughs> i think it was like on new year's eve so it was like a new year's eve divorced party so that was funny that's really all i have for now so and it's like i don't know how much is going to come out because the other side involves a minor yeah. so you know sometimes they keep that stuff more under lock but we'll see Another quick update that we wanted to talk about, um, Jennifer Crumbly, who is Ethan Crumbly's mom, her trial started. Ethan Crumbly was the one. He killed four of his classmates at a high school in Michigan in November 2021. We did an episode on him. If you remember, it kind of seemed like he was crying out for help. He was like doing crazy drawings in the morning of the shooting he was brought to the principal's room because he was acting weird and he was drawing pictures of guns with blood and writing like, please help me and things like that. And his parents came in and they were schools like you need to get him counseling in 48 hours. Like he's not 
there's something wrong. He's not doing okay. And they were like, maybe you should take him home for the day. And they're like, no, we can't. We're working. So, and then he went to the bathroom, pulled out a gun and shot up the school. So this is one of the first trials ever where the parents are being held accountable to some extent because they bought him a new gun like a couple days before. They basically seemed, obviously, I don't know, but what's coming out seems like they basically neglected him and would rather go out and party all the time. Um, And he was suffering mentally. And they were just like, here, here's a gun. There are many guns in this house. Here, have access to them. Um, So some things that came out recently that is that Jennifer, the mom, she was having an affair with Brian Maloki, I will guess his name is. I posted an article about it, but just some highlights that I thought were a big yikes. One thing she, what do you call a male mistress, a mister? Do you know what? This is actually funny. Someone sent a message. I, sh- I meant to tell you about it on the Instagram today after you had posted about this, and they called it a man stress. I'm like, <laughs> ah, I said I like I've that. never. And they're like, there needs to be a term for it. So I thought that was funny. Because when I <laughs> made the story, I was gonna. If it was flipped, I would just been like, this is the mistress. But I didn't know, so I just wrote like the one she was having an affair with. It says, uh, if a woman is called a mistress, what is the man called? A philanderer. <laughs> a philanderer. Yeah. I like man's stress better. <laughs> yeah. So after Ethan, the son, was arrested, apparently Jennifer, the mom, texted or talked to the, the man stress and said <laughs> that she feels like she's failed miserably as a parent. And he told her, you didn't do this. They also said... Be careful of anything you type on Messenger. He said to her, be careful of anything you type on Messenger. The FBI is involved. They can access anything and everything. Another thing, just quickly. Where is it? So another big yikes to me, especially, was that they said after the school meeting, they couldn't take Ethan home because both the parents had to go to work. But the male mistress, (laughs) he testified that Jennifer had told him that day that she could sneak off from work that morning to meet him and hook up. And that was normally what they did. They would meet at the parking lot across from her job in the mornings and hook up there, I guess. So that looks really shitty on her part because she couldn't bring her kid home from work, but she could go have her affair from work. Another thing they had the her boss there named Andrew Smith, and he opposed what she was saying about how she couldn't take Ethan because of work. He said that that she would have been allowed to leave work for the day if she needed to care for her son or that she would have even been able to bring Ethan to work with her if that needed to be done. Another thing that I thought was interesting, it says that this was the boss that was talking. He said later that day he saw Jennifer racing down the hall of the workplace screaming about the active shooter at her son's school. And then she left work and was texting her boss saying the gun is gone and so are the bullets. And the boss was surprised that he that she would be texting him this. Um, and she also texted him then after that, I need my job. Please don't judge me for what my son did, which is like, that's what you're thinking of right now. I know. I feel like that's the least he worries right now. Yeah. And I know there was text on Ethan's phone. I remember us talking about it of both the parents texting him being like, don't do this. Don't do this. Like, please stop. Like, they knew it was him immediately. Um, But yeah, that's it. It seems like there is some interesting stuff coming out. I'm going to try to keep an eye on the trial as it goes. So I'll continue to post about it on Instagram. Um, The defense 
I thought this was kind of a silly quote from the defense, but I mean, I guess it's true technically. But she said, the defense attorney said, she had an affair. Lots of people have affairs. I mean, that's the bottom line. At the end of the day, it doesn't mean, you know, your kid's a school shooter. <laughs> like, okay. Is, is the dad, when is the dad going to trial? Like, I looked it up and it, it says was, January 2024 as well, but then. I feel like I, it, this article said March. Oh, okay. So maybe hers will He's coming up. I don't remember if this was out. I remember talking about it, but more stuff has come out. On the day of the shooting, four different employees had report had reported alarming behavior from Ethan Crawley. I wrote Crawley. Ethan <laughs> Crumbly. Um, just like how he was like looking up the bullets and stuff. Remember that? And yeah. doing things like that. So it seems like stuff's coming out. But I'll be interested to see how this goes. I really don't know. I think she should be held, that the parents should be held accountable to some extent. Absolutely. I agree. Oh, another funny thing was, not, not funny, but just like delusional Crazy. on her part, was remember they like went on the run and yeah, the attorney yeah. was oh, like, yeah. no. I forgot that. Now I found it like an art studio or something. Yeah. yeah. And the attorney was like, no, they're they're not on the run. They're just getting away <laughs> from the public. They're just trying to get afraid. themselves ready to turn themselves in or whatever they were saying. But she texted she texted her boss and said, We're on the run again. Helicopters. <laughs> not sure where to. I'll message mm. you. Like imagine mm. just messaging your boss this stuff. So I don't know. She just I think she needs to be held accountable to some extent, but we'll see. We do have an episode on Ethan Crumbly. It's a little bit older now, but once this episode comes out, I'll link it in our stories as well. So if you want to listen, if you're new to the podcast and you haven't listened, you can check out that one too. It's a yeah, a very it is sad. Like it's a sad story. His parents failed him. Um, obviously, he needs to take also responsibility for what he did, but he had a really shitty life. Yeah, it's an interesting one for sure with stuff like that. Like him, Adam Lanza, and Nicholas Cruz, I think their upbringings had a lot to do with this and kind of a lot of the neglect that they went through. Not saying that's an excuse for this, obviously, but I think it shows how horribly neglects can affect kids and teens growing up. I don't know. My niche interest is kind of school shootings because they're so scary. Like I said, I'll keep up with Instagram updates on that so check us out there if you want to follow along okay so today's episode we are going to be talking about the deaths of two different women but they seem like they i mean they are connected in a sense because it's involving the same man who is the fire captain in st louis missouri his name is robert dows and he is the fire captain in st louis missouri so obviously he might have some connections locally there and both of these women died in his home one in 2020 and one in 2024 so the most recent one sarah sweeney the 2024 one there's not as much known about what happened to her yet but people are asking questions yeah yeah like grace holland she died in 2020 and what is not officially deemed but it's made to look like it's a suicide, could be a suicide, but that's kind of the question is, was it a suicide or was this man Robert involved? Because Robert was an abusive prick. Just some of the texts that we have are really mean. 911, location of your emergency. A 911 call from a house in Creevecourt in July 2020. My fiance just shot herself. Your fiance just shot herself? Yes. A nightmare for the family of Grace Holland. Yeah, 
that. It's hard to live in a world without her. Back in 2021, First Alert 4 investigates exposed questions about Grace's death. She had died from a single gunshot wound to the head. Creevecore police had ruled her death a suicide, but Grace's family was and still is concerned by how the investigation was handled. In part, they say, because Grace's fiance is a captain in a neighboring fire department. I'm a captain with the fire district. Now, Saturday, another death inside that same person's home, this time on Conway in Frontenac. Police telling First Alert 4 investigates that they were called at around 6.45 in the morning and found a 39-year-old female deceased inside. They've classified it as a sudden death only. According to officials, there were no obvious signs of injury or struggle. The medical examiner's office says they will need toxicology results and other investigation to determine cause of death. Grace's family learned about it shortly afterwards, raising many more questions for them. An attorney for Grace Holland's family sending First Alert 4 a statement saying, quote, We are saddened to learn of another death, especially of such a young person. We hope that the Frontenac police do what the Creve Corps police and the county medical examiner didn't do in the past and fully investigate this tragedy. Sweeney was identified today by police. She worked in podiatry in town. I spoke with some of her family members who say they were not aware of any life-threatening medical condition or any immediate reason for her sudden death. But they also say they had not spoken to her in two years, even though they say they had tried to raise their concerns about Grace's death. One of their last text messages to Sarah, they say, was to tell her to get away from that firefighter. We have attempted to reach him and an attorney who previously represented him, and we have not yet heard back. A lot of moving parts here. We'll get into it, and we'll start some background into Grace. She is the one who passed away in 2020. In 2020, Grace Holland, she was 35 years old. She had four daughters from a previous marriage at the time of her death, and after the breakdown of her relationship where she had the children. She met Robert, the Maryland Heights fire captain, and seems like they met around four years prior to Grace's death, so sometime around 2016, and they got engaged in 2018. Grace was impressed as he drove a Porsche and was well-liked and well-known in their local community. Robert had a son of his own from a prior relationship. He comes from a family of first responders, his father, Robert Sr., also, being the previous fire captain, his family also owns Liberty Artworks, which is a company that makes memorials for first responders. So it seems like a very locally enmeshed family. I've asked, seen a lot of people ask about how Robert got his money. Like we said, he's got the Porsche, you know, and I've read some comments that the Liberty Artworks is quite a successful business. I, obviously, we can't verify that, but like that, that is a question I've seen people ask, but apparently... Both Roberts are very heavily involved with the Liberty Artworks business. And I think some fire captains make pretty decent money. Yeah. Grace's family have said that the relationship, the relationship between her and Robert was abusive. Grace was pressured to work for Rob's family's company so that he could control her income. She was never added to the payroll and she was paid under the table. So there's not even a good way to track her pay. They bought a house together, but because Rob controlled all the money, Grace was left off of the deed. And they picked out a new house together that they were going to be moving into. The new house would be on Conway Road. Um, and their current house that they were living at was on a fairway circle. And that's where they had lived for the majority of their relationship. 
The two houses we'll kind of we'll mention later, so that's why we've mentioned the address of them. The address is all online, but yeah, the, the incident like there's a weird when it, when this all happens, it happens in between two houses, so that's why we've left the addresses in there. It doesn't really matter otherwise. Yeah. <laughs> On June 9th, twenty twenty, Grace recorded a video of an argument between her and Rob. I'll put in a clip of it. Now, do I have the plan on you being here again tonight? No. Oh, but you said that last night. So now I'll make other arrangements. What do you mean? Well, I won't be here then. Why not? Because I don't want to be around you tonight. Why not? I don't want to be around you, period. But if this is going to be some sort of forced fucking marriage, that doesn't mean I have, I can, I can strive to spend as little time with you as possible and take every little advantage to stay the fucking arm's length from you. Every little night I have to squeak an extra hour at Liberty, uh, traffic, uh, flat tire, whatever the fuck I can do to just extend my life away from you is going to be my priority. I love you. I hope you okay. have a good day, okay? There won't be any trips. Okay. I don't want to travel with you. Okay. I don't want to see I love the you. world with you. I love I don't you. do anything with you. I love you. I hope you have a good day, okay? Fuck yourself. Okay. Fuck you. I hope you get in a better mood. No, this is the mood okay. I'm going to be in. No, you're just trying to be mean to me, and I'm not going to take it. Okay. I love you. Have a good day. Fuck you. Fuck your mother. Get the fuck out of my house. Love you. Have a good day. Well, um, then we will be selling Conway. Just so you know, so I would work on something, whether it's keeping the kids at Irondale or whatever it is you need to do. So, yeah. So that same month, Grace reported that Rob pushed, shoved, and dragged her down the hallway. He also pulled her clothes off. Grace had bruises on her arms, thighs, and spine after, after this incident, and she photographed her injuries. At one point, Grace contacted the Maryland Heights Fire Deputy Chief Medical Officer, Mark Russell and raised concerns about Robert's behavior because he was blowing up at home and nothing ever came of this concern as Mark is one of Rob's good friends. So if anything, that probably just pissed off Rob even more Yeah, because Mark probably told him. So things seemed to really escalate in June 2020. Grace called her mother, Patricia, during an incident where Rob was yelling at her and throwing things in the yard. Patricia told Grace to call the police, and she then heard Rob saying, My brothers in blue are not going to do anything to me. I've already taken care of that. You're the crazy girlfriend, remember? What a jerk. Yeah. So Patricia tried to get Grace to leave the house, but Grace said she couldn't do that while Robert was in such a state. Grace's children told Patricia that Robert was shoving their mom and that he was always yelling at her. Robert scared the kids by throwing a phone across the dinner table where they were sitting. They also said that he lost his temper over minor things such as the couch touching the curtain in the living room and some silverware being out of place. Grace captured another conversation on video and in this one, Rob went on a rant about being in a quote, forced fucking marriage and said that he would do anything to spend as little time as possible with her. Grace responded calmly by telling Rob that she loved him responded rob responded with fuck you fuck you fuck you fuck your cunt mother get the fuck out of my house rob reportedly offered grace six hundred dollars via text to abort a pregnancy on july 16 2020 grace texted him i love you please be safe and rob replied with i do not want to get married i told you this over and over all you do is keep pushing move on with your life this is over 
He wrote again a few minutes later, get out of my house. I don't want to be married. I don't want a baby. I don't want to live with you girl with your girls. Oh. Okay. <laughs> Grace responded with, I love you. Have a good first day back. Please be safe. And Rob responded, fuck off. I don't know if we said, did we say she's pregnant at this point? Yeah. Yeah. Because he's talking, it's kind point. of like, I got a lot of this information from the court document. So it doesn't actually have a date of, because I believe that after this, at some point she suffered a miscarriage, right. but it's a very short timeline in between this and when she passes away. So I'd sound, I think she was pregnant still at this stage. She did have a miscarriage at some point around this time. Um, I'm not entirely sure of the date though, but yeah. So she was pregnant or had, you know, had just been pregnant. Yeah. I'm also interested not to, I don't want to sound victim blamey. I'm not trying to before anyone gets upset. It's just very interesting to me how he's saying these things and she just kind of totally disregards it and says, I love you. Yeah. Like maybe she just knew that he would act like this occasionally and be irrational and then he'd be and fine. He would... So that's why she just kind of didn't engage in the situation. Yeah. And I know, as you've said in other episodes, abusers are very manipulative and they know the type of people to pick who are maybe more passive or more afraid and won't stand up for themselves. So I do understand that. So at some point after this, according to articles, it appears that Grace suffered a miscarriage like we just mentioned. Um, The timeline's a little blurry, but basically it seems like she was pregnant, wanting to get married. He was mad, didn't want to have a baby, didn't want to get married. She has a miscarriage and then they try to blame this suicide potential suicide on her having a miscarriage and that one reason too why i am assuming she did have the miscarriage because this all happened you know a few days before she died where he's like i don't want the baby but then in the autopsy as far as i've seen there's no mention of her being pregnant so i assume it happened at some point around that if anyone has any clarification let me know because i looked and looked and couldn't find any so the following day on july 17th 2020 rob texted grace as if the previous day's conversations had not happened so this kind of goes with what you were saying of like, maybe he just had these crazy outbursts, but then he'd be like, anyway, is like everyone just kind of move on from it. So he asked if Grace wanted to meet up with some friends and they then had a discussion about their home. So despite the conversation being seemingly mundane, Rob ended it with, I absolutely cannot be with you. I'm not marrying you. You and your fucking kids. Fuck you. He just, I'm interested to learn more about him and why mm-hmm. he does this. Like, how are you just going to be texting about maybe like the house talking about like, oh, what what cabinets are we going to get? And then be like, fuck you, you piece of shit. I feel like they were actually discussing like taps or faucets for the home is what I've read. So oh, yeah. literally just in my discussion about, you know, what color should we get? And then fuck you and I don't want to marry you. Yeah, he seems mentally unwell. So this continued on for days. On July 19th, 2020, Rob texted Grace, I've asked you to leave several times. I don't want you there. I don't want you or your kids. I want away. I've asked you to leave. Take your Jeep your things and leave i'm done but also and also remember they're buying a new house together Mm. apparently or he is that she's allowed to live in because they don't he won't put her on the deed but despite all this later that day they had a discussion about faucets they wanted to buy for their future home so it's just so up and down back and forth like anger anger rage and then yeah what do you want what curtains do you want to buy it's just yeah a game he was playing a game so on july 20th 2020 I also wonder, because this was during COVID too, how are they mm. just going out and buying faucets? Yeah. yeah, I didn't even think about that. <laughs> but that was also a, a tough time for a lot of people. So on July 20th, 2020, Robert went nuts again. He wrote, I want you out of my life. You did not, nothing but ruin my first night staying at Conway. It's the new house. 
The thought of you sleeping in that house makes me want to vomit. That's how much I hate you. Unhinged things to say. Yeah. So that brings us to the next day, July 21st, 2020, around 10 p.m. Grace took selfies of her and Robert in bed at the new house, and Grace was smiling in the photos. But it's like the day before he was texting about how the thought of you sleeping in that bed Mm. makes him want to vomit. And so what happened after that's unclear. But seven hours later, Grace was dead at their previous home, the the Fairways home. So somehow they left that house. After being in bed at 10 o'clock at night. 10 p.m. Yeah. Went back to the other house and she died. Robert has apparently never given an explanation about anything that happened that night. Grace died from a gunshot wound to her left temple. The shooting happened around 5 a.m. on July 22nd, 2020. Police officers arrived on the scene. A few minutes later, detectives arrived on the scene around 7 a.m. So I'll put in the 911 call here. 911, location of your emergency? Uh, 23 Fairway Circle. 23 Fairway Circle? Yes, ma'am. What's going on? Uh, my fiance just shot herself. Shot, your fiance just shot herself? Yeah. Okay. It, Okay. Chief, Chief, it's a mortal wound. Okay. I'm a captain with the fire district with Maryland Heights. Okay. 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 Let me connect you over to Central County, okay? Hang on one second. Sir, are you out in St. Charles or is that where she's at? Three four. Three four. Okay. This West Central transfer. He's at twenty three Fairway. Six two three Fairway Circle. Oh, I'm sorry. Six two three Fairway Circle. Okay, is that an apartment? It's a house. Okay. What's the emergency there? Uh, Martinez shot herself. She shot herself. She shot herself in the head. It's a mortal. It's a mortal injury. I'm Captain with Marilyn Heights. She's on the phone. Okay, sir. I, I'm sorry. Yes, that's correct. I just need to So at 7.25 a.m., so 25 minutes after the detectives arrived on the scene, a detective contacted the medical examiner and reported... Grace came into the living room to give Robert a hug, and she went back into the bedroom without speaking to him. Shortly after, Robert heard a single gunshot and located Grace in the bedroom with a gun and apparently blood beneath her head. So that was what he said about it at the time. It's interesting to me, too, just to interrupt for a minute. So I've put an ex like that bit that you just read is an excerpt from a report. So in that report, they call him Robert, but they call her Holland, which is her last name. So it's mm. kind of interesting that that's Shows how- Shows their friends, maybe. Yeah, they address like they know him, but they call her by her last name. So an interesting, you know, piece of info that I picked up. Yeah, I didn't think of that. So later that same day, Rob went to the police department with a lawyer. The statement he gave then was entirely different to what the detective had told the medical examiner. So this says, Rob stated he got up for work and was standing was standing at his closet stacking clothing in his arms. Sorry, it's kind of small to read mm. if I sound like I'm struggling. Rob stated Grace left the bedroom and returned. Rob stated Grace approached him and hugged him. Rob stated he attempted to hug Grace, but his arms were full. Rob stated he told Grace that he needed to leave for work. 
Rob stated Grace moved to his right side and hugged him by pulling his face toward hers. Rob stated Grace said goodbye, at which time he heard a gunshot. Rob stated Grace fell to the ground and he saw a gun and blood coming from her head. It's interesting he said he heard a gunshot was because he's trying to say she pulled his head in to hug him. Like maybe his head was on her shoulder and then she Mm. shot herself. I didn't think about that. That's interesting. Rob's original interview tape ended up somehow being destroyed by the police, of course. What a coincidence. Um, so this is a statement that was given about that incident. It says the original interview tape recorded when he worked on his written statement has inadvertently been destroyed by the Creve Kerr Police Department in violation of Missouri state statutes. Grace's sister, Laura, found out about her sister's death via Facebook, which is crazy. Someone sent her a message on July tw- July 22nd, 2020, saying, is it true your sister is dead? Also, imagine just messaging someone that. Oh, no. Okay, let's, let's have some kindness, people. And the thing is, it was like this person was a teacher at Grace's children's school. Like, right. I feel like that is very unprofessional. Yeah, just have some common sense. Like, Jesus. That message, like you were just saying, was from a teacher at Laura's niece's school. The teacher had heard the news of a parent's death from one of the school resource officers. So seems like someone should get in trouble for that. Um, Laura, her sister, her twin sister, actually, right? Yeah. Said, I was in shock. She called her other sister who works in drug rehabilitation and who put her who put her on the phone with a crisis counselor. She called her parents and heard men's muffled voices in the background, and she knew that they had just been told the news. Laura remembers hearing her mother's voice on the phone begging her over and over, don't drive anywhere. I guess because she didn't want her to drive while she was upset. Yeah. At Grace's funeral, she had no friends show up. Her sister commented on that and said, how many adult friends showed up at her funeral? Zero. She was no longer allowed to have friendships. We talked about that before, how abusers tend to isolate their victims yeah. from their friends and family so they don't have anyone that can help them or that they feel they can talk to great a lot of grace's friends had cut ties with her based on robert's behavior grace's family have said that rob never reached out to them or asked to be part of the funeral process he totally cut ties with grace's children as well i'm sure the kids were like thank god <laughs> it would be confusing for them i guess to have grown up yeah, with this like it seems like they were together for a you know between two and four years so like that would have been a large part of those kids life but I guess in the end it was absolutely the best thing yeah um so police it's interesting they say like they ruled her death a suicide but then later on they're like um yeah maybe not (laughs) (laughs) police ended up ruling grace's death a suicide in 2021 police interviewed rob about grace's missing engagement ring the ring was worth twenty thousand dollars and had gone missing after her death Grace was seen wearing the ring in crime scene photos, but Rob said that but Rob said that, that was a fake ring made for traveling. Rob told police that Grace had, Grace had given the real ring back to him. Text messages were found, though, that indicate Rob eventually gave the ring back to Grace. So where is it? Rob eventually claimed that the ring was lost and he filed an insurance claim, but he was never able to provide any documentation to prove that there was a fake ring or that he did fi- that he did file an insurance claim so it seems like he probably just kept it and pawned it would be my guess or sold it so grace's sister laura has written an open letter to the police department outlining 20 points of failure in the case 
She said the police have failed us at every level since Grace's death and their failure to collect evidence means we will likely never get answers. So these are some excerpts from the letter. She said, number one, the police failed to correctly identify an entry versus exit wound, which also means these wounds do not correlate with the position of the body. Number two, they misinformed the medical examiner's office as to the location and position of Robert at the moment of the time of her death. He was was by his own admission standing next to her. Three, they failed to call crimes against persons. Four, they failed to remove friends of Robert's from the police investigation. Five, they closed the crime scene before reaching out to the family. Six, they failed to investigate her stolen property and lied about not investigating it, which I assume is the ring. Seven, they allowed Robert to be present when picking up her property despite saying otherwise to the family. Eight, they failed to collect and bag evidence such as bagging her hands, testing Robert's hands for residue and collecting his clothing. Number nine, they failed to address the large pool of blood on the right side of her head and identify the cause of that injury. Ten, they failed to address the bruises on her body shown in the autopsy photos. Eleven, they managed to, quote, lose multiple video recordings. 12. Personal police cell phones were used and not recorded. One officer refused to supply his phone records as part of a law request. Number 13. They failed to collect Robert's phones, stating that he needed them for work, which is wild. Uh, 14. I'm assuming this is Laura because she says, I was told by a police detective that if I wanted answers, I needed to hire a lawyer. 15. They extended professional courtesy to Robert well beyond what any other citizen would be given. 16, they failed to verify her handwriting in a suicide note written with language outside her recursive writing patterns. I've never ever seen the suicide note or have heard anything about what it contains, but it seems like there was some type of note left at the scene. 17, they failed to question Robert at the time and have yet to question him 14 months later. 18, they failed to contact her therapist. 19, detectives took almost two hours to arrive at the crime scene. I've also read a recent article that alleges that the gun that Grace used allegedly to take her life was never tested. This is an excerpt from the article. It says no gunshot residue tests were completed on Robert on the day of Holland's death and no one tested her gun for DNA. Uh, Police Chief Hartman countered that gunshot residue tests are inaccurate and that a DNA test would not be helpful as Robert had access to Grace's gun. Um, Since so that list talked about kind of how Rob got some favorable treatment, it seemed, and like his phone records were never really looked into. His phone was never taken. There is a phone call that is out between Rob and one of the police detectives where, I don't know, I just feel like if they didn't kind of maybe know each other, like if he wasn't a fireman or the chief and all for the same area, it wouldn't be this friendly. And some of them is just kind of talking shit about the family in a way. Mm. So I'll put in some clips from that call here. I won't put in the whole thing. Obviously, it's like 10 minutes, but we'll link it in the blog and all that if you want to hear the whole thing. Apparently, there's um a Facebook group that's run by the family. Yeah, I'm actually in that, that group as well, which is interesting. And they, they put a lot of that stuff in there. Yeah. I'll be starting back next cycle. Okay. Um, what, what they want us to do is come by and uh, look at your phone. Do you still have a text thread between you and Grace? Um, I do. Okay. I do. Um, what what they're asking is that we come by, um, take a look at that, and take some pictures of it. Um, there's, you know, there's an we've got her phone, uh, but it's a little bit difficult and expensive to download. If you know, 
if it would be all right, we'll come by and snap some pictures of the thread between you and her, and then that's pretty much it. Well, I think it's quite, yeah, I mean, I think it's quite, I mean, it goes back quite a ways. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Um, yes. I guess, what are you guys, are you guys looking for something immediate, or? Let me. I guess, I'm guess, where are we driving at? I guess where I'm trying to, we're, we're I guess where are they driving at with the? the it's it's going to have to be sort of relevant to, you know, recent events. So, um, like, what are arguing about having a baby or not that, having a baby? That would be, you know, certainly relevant. I mean, to to, to show her mindset and what was, you know, I mean, what was uh, going on in her I mean, mind. Pretty much. Yeah. Well, I mean, she didn't. I can tell you, she didn't. You know, threaten. Well. I don't know. I mean, if you went back far enough, I mean, you know, there was yeah. times where she would, you know, say things like, hey, I'm mm-hmm. going to go be with our baby. And, right. So that, that's well, that's the kind of stuff that shows that. You know, but um, you'd have to go back. Jesus, you'd have to go back, you know, qu- quite a bit, yeah. you know. And, well, and we I can. Mean, I don't know, you know, how I many. Mean, just, I mean, I guess it's what, what I mean, is a family pushing on this or is this relative it's it's the, it's like, everything it it is part of that it's it's part of us just wanting to document this or that and and it's you know again it's it, it also can protect you you know if there's that you know if there's that i'm going to go be with my baby uh type language you know that obviously uh is in, in and of itself it's to be honest it's suicidal you know so um well yeah, I mean, that's uh, that's the type of thing that would show that you know this is something that that you know she did all on her own, and of course you know the the family has different views and is angry and whatever you know. So well, I mean, is it? I mean, just I mean, is it, do you think that that like I shot her? I mean, well, obviously I didn't. No, at this at this point, no. But um, you know that that was something that came up initially. Um, right, and that's and, and that's yep. why we want to do a, a very thorough job, and you know, again, it's it's to preserve the truth, and it's and it's protection for, you know, I I, I mean, I can't see your phone, so I don't know what's on it. I mean, you know, yeah, but I mean, it's, it's not, I mean, I mean, it's us arguing, yeah, I mean, you know, and that, and every you know, couple does forth about right, you know, arguing about you know getting married, mm-hmm. argued about. Moving in together and not moving in together, like right. I said, I've been pretty open about this. I was mm-hmm. one foot in and one foot out of this relationship, so yep. it's a lot of arguing back and forth about that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, clearly. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, I, I guess I just. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, I can coordinate a time to kind of do it. I guess I'm just trying to figure out how far, you know. So despite this happening in 2020, Grace's death has received a lot of media attention recently for reasons we'll get into in a second. But just the other day, like a few days ago, on January 31st, 2024, it was announced that Grace's death was still being investigated by St. Louis police and that they considered her death suspicious. This is a statement from Sergeant Tracy Panis, who is from the St. Louis County Police. So Tracy said, at this point, the case is still classified as a suspicious death and remains active. It will be incumbent upon the prosecutor's office to decide if any further action is required or if any criminal charges will be filed. So that is kind of it in terms of chronological for Grace's case. We will now move on to the case of the second woman involved is Sarah Sweeney. 
Sarah Sweeney was born in Huntington, West Virginia on November 2nd, 1984 to Stephen and Teresa Sweeney. She was diagnosed with Perth's disease when she was six years old. I actually hadn't heard about this, so I looked it up. It says, Perth's disease is an uncommon condition that affects children between the ages of three and 11. Blood supply to the head of the thigh bone is disrupted, which can cause the bone to deteriorate. This can cause pain, limping, and limited movement of the hip joint. So Sarah was very successful. She graduated from East Forsyth High School in 2003, and she went on to attend North Carolina State University. She graduated from there in 2007 with degrees in microbiology and biological science, and she received a minor in biochemistry. Sarah then attended Barry University School of Podiatric Medicine and Surgery in Miami Shores, Florida. She got her Doctor of Podiatric Medicine in 2012, and she completed her surgical residency at hospitals in Miami. She then lived in Texas for a while before she moved to St. Louis, where she opened up her own practice. Sarah's family have said that she was vibrant and outgoing. They also said that she loved animals, was an excellent excellent pianist and a talented artist. She loved purses, fashion, and jewelry. At some point, Sarah was also diagnosed with mast cell activation syndrome. This is about that illness. It says people with the mast cell activation syndrome experience repeated episodes of symptoms due to release of mast cell mediators. Symptoms are variable and can include hives, wheeze, gastrointestinal upset, low blood pressure, and anaphylaxis. High levels of mast cell mediators are released during these episodes. So Sarah did have some medical issues that were known. Everyone knew about them. Um, And at times they were quite serious. I believe I read that in 2021, she had been intubated for a while. So she was unwell over the years. Sarah met Robert shortly after she moved to St. Louis. They became engaged. I can't really find a timeline for their relationship, but it happened soon after Grace died because I know that by 2021, Sarah had fallen out with her family about Robert. So Grace died in 2020. By the next year, he was engaged to Sarah and she had already fallen out with her family. So it's all happened very quickly. Yeah, that seems like a red flag Mm. to me, essentially. Sarah's family eventually found out about what happened to Grace. I guess they connected the dots that she had been with Robert um, and they sent Sarah news articles and information. And by November 2021, that's when Sarah had stopped talking to them. She wouldn't answer messages from her mother and her stepfather. Her mother, Teresa, said she was a grown adult, a doctor and a woman. We didn't know what to do. So at 6.39 a.m. on January 13th, 2024, so like two weeks ago, Sarah was found dead at the Conway home owned by Robert. This was the home that he had bought with Grace. Um, There were no apparent signs of trauma on the body, according to the police. An attorney for Grace's family spoke to First Alert 4, and they said, we are saddened to learn of another death, especially of such a young person. We hope that the Frontenac police do what the Creve Coeur police and county medical examiner didn't do in the past and fully investigate this tragedy. Sarah's attorney spoke to the media, and this is kind of interesting to me because... Why is the attorney speaking to the media after her death about her illnesses? But and her attorney's making yeah. So her attorney spoke to the media and said, "quote that she absolutely had a life threatening condition." And that attorney did confirm that she had been hospitalized and intubated in 2021. But I feel like this is just a weird statement for the attorney to make, especially when the death investigation isn't finished yet. Yeah. Um. After this statement, though, articles have been released stating that Sarah was fearful of Robert. There are federal court filings that I've read online and it has revealed that Sarah has said that she was lived in fear of Robert and she described him as suspected of murdering a previous girlfriend. There's a text that Sarah sent to a friend and it's been released. I'm going to read it out because it's interesting, but the text was released as part of a court filing from a lawsuit that Sarah brought against some former employers. Basically, this went back and forth. She was suing them for gender discrimination and sexual harassment 
and basically the lawyers for the company wanted to subpoena Robert and some of Sarah's friends and colleagues. Sarah's attorneys pushed back, but they did release several exhibits from the court case, and this is one of them. So it says, all I ask is that you do the right thing in your heart. I'm devastated to know that the one person who I knew and I could count on would be there for me. Sherry has seen all our texts and how you and I were scared and promised to stick up for each other. So I'm assuming this is going on about the work situation. It says, uh, how you didn't want me to quit and leave me alone working there. I'm not, I'm hurt. I'm not mad. I didn't think someone would li- literally agree with a person being investigated by the attorney general for fraud, could lose his license and he's not respected in St. Louis. So it goes on a little bit and it says, um, I've been homeless. I've had to move in with my boyfriend, the quote murderer, which has been scary at times. I've lost every penny, closed out my savings account. I've had issues getting a job because of my past affiliation with him. I've suffered medical stuff because of no health insurance. I've lost wages when I've worked hard. Um, And then it goes on and on to basically, she talks about how this lawsuit and the, the harassment that she had endured is apparently well, at the time was af- was affecting her life, but she does refer to Rob in that text as the murderer. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is kind of it up to date with Grace and Sarah's story. Sarah's story is obviously still going to have updates. They haven't released her cause of death yet. I'm assuming they're waiting for an autopsy. It's just being classed as sudden, but it's very interesting that, within a few years two women have died at the hands of or not at the hands at in the home of a man who was known to be abusive and just to be clear because i've noticed also i was reading today a lot of news stations and stuff won't even say his name and like blur out his face in pictures so just to be clear we're not saying he killed them or anything (laughs) we're just talking about what happened we're not accusing him of killing them we're just talking about it we should be clear he hasn't been arrested or charged in connection with either case but what is clear is that after sarah died they started looking into grace's case again they have now reclassified it as suspicious and have said that if any charges it'll be investigated to determine if any charges should be laid yeah and the Grace's case, since there's been more time for people to talk about it and think about it, the families put out more information. Even though I'd say most people are on her family side of either thinking there's more to the story, but there are people who are defending Rob as well, saying like Grace had threatened suicide in the past. Grace had a gun that was like taken away from her for a while and then was given back to her. So it'd be one thing if it was just Grace where I'd be like, okay, like, yeah, maybe it was a suicide and it still could be, but that doesn't mean that he's still not like a trash piece of garbage that probably contributed to her committing suicide after just seeing those texts and all of that. And I'm sure there's much, much, much more that went on that the public doesn't even know about because, you know, like not every single one of their arguments is recorded. Just those texts were awful. So I couldn't imagine what it was like living there as well. But then you have another, a second death with the same guy. I can't say in the same house, but in his home. So now it's a little bit more like, eh, strange. And it sounds interesting too. Like, obviously, we don't really know much about the dynamics between Sarah and her family, but for her to stop speaking to them after they sent messages about possible things that had happened in the past, it's interesting. Like, it seems like the same pattern. mm. The 
Police Chief Jeff Hartman, who looked into Grace's death, has made a statement about Sarah's death. He said, if the investigation rules Sarah died as a result of homicide, her death should be fully investigated as such, and I pray the person responsible is held accountable. He also said, I would expect increased scrutiny on the Creve Kerr case as a result, which is Grace's case. However, we have not received the ruling on that cause of death for Sarah yet. Yeah, so I'm sure more will come out if there's like an update. By the time this episode comes out, I'll put in a clip here on anything about that. But as of right now, we don't know as much about Sarah. We don't have a cause of death or anything for her yet. But I guess we shall see. It could very well end up being just a coincidence like I'm I, even if something even if even if Grace's death wasn't a suicide it is still possible I guess that Sarah died from whatever medical conditions that she was suffering from she was unwell with there was a history of that um but yeah it'll be interesting to see what comes out after the autopsy and I guess toxicology reports yeah so it's hard to comment too much on it without us risking like maybe getting in trouble or anything like that. Not that I think we're big enough to really get in trouble, but you never know. But yeah, I guess we'll see. I do think it, like, what are the chances? Yeah. It's a little suspicious. And even I know that, I know Grace's family, one of their main arguments is that Grace was shot, I believe, in the left temple, but she was right handed. So essentially, you know, that would be a very awkward way to shoot yourself. Um, like, why would you bother? Just do it in the closest temple, essentially. Um, yeah and it just there's just like a lot of weird things and I know like from other stories leading up to suicide not everything always makes sense like how I'm always like why did not that we know what happened to Alan White but that one always stands out to me of me being like why did he go get gas before because one big theory was that he killed himself I'm like why would he go to the gym and get gas and then just go and kill himself and there's always things where the family was like, no, like they were so happy. They were just doing this. They were talking about these projects. They were doing all these things. And then they just went and killed themselves. Like that doesn't make sense. But still, it's weird to me how, like we were saying, they were in bed at 10 o'clock in the one mm. house taking pictures. And then at by 5 a.m., they're already back at the other house. And like, I guess maybe he was he said he was getting ready for work, so they woke up super early for him to go to work and both went back to the house, other house. I wonder if there was some argument, yeah, maybe, or if there was an argument and she went back and then he went back in the morning. I don't know. Like there, there could be, I guess, a lot of reasons for it. But, yeah, a very – and I just wish that we knew more about that timeline after the 10 p.m. Yeah, it seems like it wasn't really looked into mm. that well, and I guess it could be because of the local connections. Especially for the detectives. everyone after half an hour of arriving on the scene to send a statement. Like I feel like that is absolutely not long enough to do a thorough investigation, a thorough impartial investigation anyway. Yeah. It it just feels like there should be more information known anyways. But regardless, like I said, we don't know if he is involved in the deaths or anything like that. But I can say with confidence he was an abusive piece of trash. Yeah. So and that's proven like by the text messages obviously a lot of this comes from the court documents which are from grace's family so there may have been other things going on in their relationship that we don't know about but there is proof of these abusive messages at the very least yeah so that is it for this episode as i said if there's any updates i'll put i'll have put in a clip or we'll post on instagram so make sure you're following us at instagram at true crime society we also have the blog at true crime society blog.com you could read this in written form and look at any of the texts and documents and all that there as well. 
Um, if you want to follow our personal Instagram accounts, mine is StephSum underscore Olivia is TCS Olivia. So check out what we're doing. And you can find us on Patreon if you want ad-free episodes. We do weekly bonus episodes. We've been talking about the Kansas City deaths a lot on there just because it's not really enough for a full episode. But a lot of people have been following that. Maybe by now that this episode comes out, there'll be more answers, mm. it seems like, the way things are going. But you can check us out on Patreon for all that. Um, there's a link in the episode description, usually. And that is it, really. Leave us nice reviews, share the podcast, all those things. Big help to us. And that's that. Thanks for listening, guys. Peace out. Stay safe. See ya. See ya.